This is Trek FM. Telling frequencies open. This is your Trek FM Hyper Channel for Friday, June twentieth, twenty fourteen. I'm Christopher Jones, and we have two stories for you today: alternate crinum temporal weapon ship designs discovered, and Scotty's jacket goes under the gavel in Belfast. First up, in the Voyager episode Year of Hell, scientist gone mad Anorax possessed one of the most dangerous weapons in Star Trek: a temporal weapon ship. And this giant vessel, with its unique shape and the beam that could just literally push its target out of the space-time continuum, almost did in Janeway and her crew. And we all know, if we've seen this episode of Voyager, two-parter, of course, what this ship looked like in those episodes. But as it turns out, it wasn't always quite what we saw. As you know, Eagle Moss has been creating these official starships, the little miniatures, which I've talked about on here before, and these come with a magazine, a sort of a a booklet or a magazine, and they go really in depth into the ships that they're creating, and they give you background behind the ships, they give you schematics, they give you all kinds of information, and they research these very painstakingly. Not only to create the ships themselves, but also in order to give you this supplemental material. Well, sometimes, as thorough as they are, even Eagle Moss misses some points, and that's what happened with the Crenum Time Ship or Temporal Weapon Ship, I should say. It it messes with time. It doesn't send you through time, so it's not really a time ship. In fact, it exists outside of space time. Interesting concept. Anyway, we know what it looked like on the screen, and after this magazine that accompanies the Crenum ship issue, which is issue twenty-two of the official Starships collection, they found some new information, and they asked Star Trek dot com to share that information in those images. And what they found out is that the original ship, or I should say, the final ship, the one we saw on screen, which was designed by Steve Berg and built at Foundation Imaging, actually existed in other concepts prior to the final version that we saw that they didn't know about. And these concepts were done by Rick Sternbach, who was Voyager's regular concept artist. And these images have been shared. With StarTrek.com, so you can go over there and look at them. I'm going to put a link in the show notes and a link here in the podcast notes for you, and see what it looked like. And they're they're not fleshed out, you know, they're not built for the、uh, TV episode itself. They're just sort of rough concepts of what the ship would look like, and they're different shapes. And you can see some similarities to what we saw on screen. You can see some different things here, but it's interesting when these things resurface because you feel like. You already know so much of this stuff, especially with Voyager, because so much about Voyager is known and has been shared over time. And for Eagle Moss to be really researching the ship and still not find these is—it's kind of fascinating to me. It's interesting that these didn't turn up, but they're there now. So go take a look and see what you think about it. And after you look at them, let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter. My username there is C Brian Jones, the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can also tack that name on to Facebook dot com, and you can find me there on Facebook. 
And you can find me pretty much everywhere in social media as well. But those are the two places where I, I really chat. So hit me up there if you want to talk. Let me know what you think. All right. So that is the first story for today. Second story for today. This one is also very unusual. I found this story in the Belfast Telegraph from Northern Ireland. And we know that in the search for Spock, Scotty helped Kirk steal the Enterprise. And now some lucky person in Belfast gets to steal Scotty's jacket. Well, not steal it exactly, but get it at a potentially bargain basement price because it's going on auction. But what's so interesting about this auction isn't that some Star Trek memorabilia will be there, because we've seen other auctions like that. What's so interesting is that it's more than a thousand pieces of rare sci-fi memorabilia that was seized by the police from a criminal couple. And the police have asked that this be put on auction. It's actually by the instructions of the West Yorkshire Police. Wilson's Auctions in Northern Ireland is putting all this stuff on sale. And it actually already happened by the time you hear this. I don't know any results yet. I don't know how much people paid for any of this stuff. But the items that are going to be available include six sets of Star Trek costumes, which, as I understand it, are from the films, from, I think, actually, from the six original series films. And that includes Scotty's jacket, which was actually pointed out specifically in the article there in the Telegraph. Also, besides Star Trek, it's not just Star Trek stuff, the Millennium Falcon, I don't have more information than that, other than it sounds like it may actually be the shooting model. It's it's worth a lot, let's put it that way, and these people had it. Also, radio-controlled Daleks from Doctor Who are going to be there as well on sale in this auction. Lots of stuff. Iden Larkin who is the Assets Recovery Manager at Wilson's, put it pretty well when they said that the auction presented a quote-unquote once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for sci-fi fans. Now let's go back for a minute to how this stuff ended up in the hands of the West Yorkshire Police Department in the first place. It turns out that there was a, or is, I guess, she's alive, there's a 55-year-old woman who pleaded guilty in December of last year to stealing 2.3 million pounds from her employer. And she worked for a company in Halifax that supplies commercial laundry equipment. So I don't know if this is like a literal case of money laundering or not, but that's who she worked for. And she stole this money over a period of seven years, from 2005 to 2012. But it gets even more interesting. I mentioned at the beginning that these came from a criminal couple. Well, her 48-year-old husband also pleaded guilty to laundering almost a million pounds of stolen cash. 
924,190 pounds to be exact. And this was between July 2009 and December 2012, which of course coincides with the ending of her streak of stealing money from her employer. So very interesting. They, they had all this sci-fi memorabilia, over a thousand pieces. They purchased a house that cost half a million pounds, spent almost 194,000 pounds on vacation trips and and bought Mercedes for themselves and all kinds of just crazy stuff with this money. Although the house and the cars and the trips, it doesn't seem so crazy to me. I mean, if they're laundering money, that's what people do. Buying the Millennium Falcon and Scotty's jacket, that's not normally what people do with this money. So that's a little bit interesting here. One last point on this. How did they get this stuff? Where did it come from? Well, the police say that we have been informed when the costumes last changed hands in Christie's auctions in New York a few years ago. The couple in question spent 27000 U.S. dollars on these costumes. So we know that these people were actually there at that famous Christie's auction, and that's where they got the costumes. And $27,000. Can you believe it? You know, I mean, I just saw someone on Twitter, and I totally agree with this person, by the way, that $300 for a photo with the TNG cast at the convention. They didn't mention which convention, but I think it's Star Trek Las Vegas. And they said, please stop making me broke. (laughs) I'm a Star Trek fan. I have no money. $300 for a photo at a convention is a lot. It's a lot. I'm, I don't know. If everyone signs it, I, I get it. It's a great piece of memorabilia, but it's still a lot of money to drop at one time. $27,000 though. Wow. I could do a lot. I could do a lot for Trek FM. I could do a lot for the network with $27,000. I'd like to have that. All right. Well, that's the story. Very interesting story today here from Northern Ireland. If you'd like to find out more, I'll put a link in the show notes. Again, this was from the Belfast Telegraph And, you know, tell me, how much would you pay for one of these items? If you were at an auction and you could get Scotty's jacket, or if you could get like the too much junk jumpsuit uniforms from the motion picture in beautiful pastel colors, you know, how much would you pay for those? I have to tell you, Kirk's maroon jacket with the flap pulled open, you know, with the white showing underneath, I would pay quite a bit for that. I love that uniform. It's my favorite. I even made myself a Twitter avatar with that on there. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see it from time to time. I change my avatar fairly often. All right. One note I wanted to throw out there. After the show a couple of days ago where I talked about 3D printers going up to the International Space Station, a couple of listeners, William Jinks on Twitter and Seymour Bites on SoundCloud, both sent me some feedback, and they both felt that Star Trek may not be the inspiration for 3D printing. And William, who is actually a chemist, sees 3D printers as growing out of other clever uses of inkjet printers and other technology over the years, rather than being inspired by replicators. So for me, I agree that this is the path that has led to the devices that we have now. But I also think that for Star Trek fans in particular, there is a clear connection, at least in our minds, 
between replicators and 3D printers. They're, they're not the same thing. They don't operate on the same principle or anything like that. But what I'm getting at is that with 3D printers, like with replicators, you're creating tangible functional objects from essentially featureless material. My friend Tommy Kraft, who is doing the Star Trek Horizons film, which is set in the Enterprise era, he's using a 3D printer to print a lot of the props for the film. And I see photos of these, and I and I also see the material that he's using that he puts into the printer, and then I see what comes out. And it's sort of like with a replicator where you're using uh, matter that you don't see, but it's just, it exists, right? And it's being materialized into this pattern. It's kind of the same thing with 3D printers, where this pattern is being used to create this three-dimensional object out of just something that came out of a tube. And that's that's where I'm going with it. So I, I agree with William that it's not a direct correlation, but it but it still feels so much like it's inspired, like so many things are inspired by Star Trek. And Seymour Bites pointed out that, you know, it could be other science fiction franchises as well. And and that's true too. I mean, I I don't know that Star Trek was the first instance of this concept of uh, creating objects out of essentially nothing like that's not nothing but you can't see it um but i you know science there's there's so many scientists who are star trek fans and we see that with things like phones and communicators and tablets and and the, the new nasa ship as well that just feels that way for me so that's where i was going with that so william and seymour i really appreciate your feedback thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with me i hope more listeners will also share their thoughts with me as well So everyone, please do hit me up. I do love to hear from you. And if you don't know already, I'm all about seeing different angles of things. So I am, I love hearing different opinions like this. So please send them to me. That's what we try to do here on the network is to see everything in Star Trek from different angles. It's all about diversity. Now, to close out the show, I have a network update for you. We have two new shows for you today. It's Friday, so that's the day that Commentary Trek Stars comes out every week. And Commentary Trek Stars is about the work of Star Trek creators beyond Star Trek. And this week, Mike and Max are joined by film critic Todd Gilchrist to take a look at Gene Roddenberry's only feature film writing credit. And it's a film called Pretty Maids All in a Row. And they're going to look at the social commentary present in this otherwise exploitational sex comedy, as well as the similarities between Roddenberry and Vadim as artists, and whether or not this film is the missing piece in understanding Roddenberry's personality. They also ponder why Quentin Tarantino calls this film one of the best films of all time. So it's outside of Star Trek, but it's Gene Roddenberry this week. So that's especially interesting to hear about what he wrote here in this film, Pretty Maids, all in a row. Now, the other show that we have for you today is a new episode of Warp 5, our dedicated Enterprise show. And this week, I'm joined by Tyler Johnson, who joins me pretty often on Warp 5. And Tyler and I are talking about the in-universe connections between Enterprise and the rest of the franchise. So Enterprise is a prequel to the original series, of course, 
but it's also a prequel to all of Star Trek. And there are lots of little things in there that connect it not only with TOS, but with TNG and DS9 and Voyager as well, to some extent. And we're going to talk about all of those things. And we break it down by obvious connections, which I'll tell you right now, Andorians and Vulcans and the birth of the Federation. We also go into subtle connections and we talk about Easter eggs, little things that you may not have picked up on because they're just there on the screen and they're not really talked about and how those connect Enterprise with the rest of the franchise. So you'll find both of these episodes in your feeds right now if you subscribe to the individual feeds for commentary Trek Stars or Warp 5 or to the Trek of Film Complete Master Feed. You can find us in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Swell, BlackBerry. We're on SoundCloud. We're, we're all over the place. Wherever you get your podcasts, just look us up, trek.fm or the name of the show you want to listen to or go to our website and go to the show page and you can stream from there and grab the RSS link. Well, that's our look at news for today. If you're streaming Hyperchannel from our website, please go over and subscribe to the Hyperchannel show feed or to the Trek of Film Complete Master feed, and then you'll get every episode every day pushed right out there to your phone or your tablet. Now, I'd love to chat with you about the stories today. You can find me on Twitter. My username again is C Brian Jones, the letter C, and Brian with a Y. And on Facebook, I'm at facebook.com slash C Brian Jones. You can find me there. You can find the network on Twitter. Our username is TrekFM. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash TrekFM. On Google+, just search for us in communities. And we have forums and a contact form on our website, trek.fm slash forums, trek.fm slash contact. And you can send us a voicemail through the website as well. So lots of ways to get in touch with us. And please do like William and Seymour did. And let me know your thoughts on things. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you've had a great week. I know you're excited that it's Friday, but I'll be back with you tomorrow with some more stories. And until then, go watch some Trek. <laughs>